Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 227 already. My name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is one of my favourite people in the world and one of many requested return guests. It's Miss Kate Tempest. I've known Kate for years. She's like a sister to me. Um, I love her dearly. I'm a fan of her work. We've we gigged together for years and years and years and um yeah it was it was it's a it's a a funny one because i as many of you know i said for ages i don't really have return guests and then in quite quick succession i had pr people hit me up about simon peg coming back on and kate tempest coming back on and both of them had come on long enough ago and so much had happened in between that i was like 100 percent yes um and then it was beautiful to hear from the PR team that they were setting up all the press for Kate's new book, which I'll tell you about um, shortly. In fact, we'll talk about it a lot in the podcast, but they were setting up the press and because it's a very personal release of poetry, um, she didn't want to do a lot of press. She kind of wanted to just let the work speak for itself and not kind of do the rounds as you do. And then they suggested my podcast and she was like yeah i'll do pips so i think she did mine she did some stuff with the guardian or the observer and i'm not sure how long ago her podcast with james o'brien was but i've heard great things about that so check that out as well but yeah this was all all set around her new book a running upon the wires which comes out on september 6th so, so depending on when you listen to this is either out tomorrow are out now so um i should mention that as ever we're brought to you by speech development com, a record label that almost actually released a kate tempest thing because i did uh, we do a series on there called at home with and it started with at home with polar bear who me and kate talk about in this episode because we the three of us toured together and good mates nothing but love for each other um, so the first one was at home with Polar Bear and what happens is Polar Bear just sat down at home and recorded a load of his poems. He talked in between, he explained them and then I was going to do a Kate, a, T- a Tempest one at some point and we've never quite got round to it but we also did at home with Rob Alton and they're available. The Polar Bear one, the CDs have sold out and they're always a limited thing, but the digital download is available still at speechdevelopmentrecords.com and the Rob, the Rob Alton one still has s- some CDs left and digital available at speechdevelopmentrecords.com and we've just rejigged the work, the website so it should be easier to find everything. I, I've added uh, some new signed stuff, so signed photos, DVDs, records, books, everything. As this is a podcast around a book, I should mention that my time's best selling distraction pieces podcast book is available there signed and my um graphic novel of poems poetry in emotion is 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 available there as well so head to speech development com and have a little look around so it was great to get to sit down with kate we've i can't remember if we touched on it in the podcast or if we talked about it beforehand but we used to meet up on the regular for for old man drinks me kate and polar would meet up and we'd just moan about stuff and be excited about stuff and we've not done it in ages because everyone's lives just get busier and people move to different areas and stuff like that so 
or when this podcast came up, I was like, that that's an ex- that it saves us failing to arrange to hang out. <laughs> so we just got to hang out, and that's what this is. And I hope you'll feel how how friendly and how excited we were to see each other. I need to give a lot of thanks and love for for, for the reaction to all the podcasts in recent weeks. Um, the Spike Lee one in particular, and the Professor Green one. A lot of people didn't expect. I don't know why but didn't expect Professor Green to be so intelligent and th- thoughtful and a well-spoken, amazing guest. Um, I had an example as well. Uh, uh, recently, he was great. had some great stories of when he was signed by Mike Skinner, who's also been on the podcast in the past. Polar Bear, who me and Kate talk about a lot, has been on the podcast in the past. Uh, obviously, yeah, we've had a load this year of, of great ones. We've had, in the past... I'm, I'm thinking more people that if you're into Kate, you, you might be into. I've had Roots Manoeuvre on and Akala. Akala was an am- amazing guest, just giving a history lesson in the podcast. It was amazing. So check that out. Loads of good people, basically. So thank you for all the uh, all the support and all the love. I'll get on with it, I guess. N- next week, I've got Drew Pierce, who's a great director. The week after that, I've got one of the best podcasts I've ever recorded, with Angel um, Guifria, Guifria, I can't, I'm, I, I've, I've forgotten already how to say her name. She taught me on the podcast, but she's an amazing young lady who's got a robotic arm. She kind of tongue-in-cheek self-identifies as a cyborg, but it's legit as well because since six months old, she's had some kind of robotics that she's engaging with and working with, and yeah. It's amazing. It's a hell of a conversation. It's going to bl- bl- blow all of your minds. So check that out. Um, and I also, as requested, I did get a chance to sit down uh, with Sage Francis and B. Dolan on their recent Epic Beard Men tour. And I know that's one that a lot of you have been asking. I know, again, b- b- both of those guys have been on in the past, yet I was constantly getting messages of, are you going to get a chance to talk with Sage and B when they're in the country? So yeah. I drove all the way to Cardiff to make sure I had that opportunity and we sat up till um till about two thirty three AM recording this podcast, but you're gonna you're gonna love it. So that's all to come. It should be Drew next week, Angel the week after, Sage and Dolan the week after that. Uh the the other thing I need to to mention is a weird one. Um I've decided to try out a Patreon page. A lot of podcasters do it. A lot of you have been asking about it for a while. Um, And nothing is going to change. Uh, (laughs) Either way, I'll explain. I've set up a Patreon page. I guess it's patreon.com slash scroobiuspip or go on there and search scroobiuspip. And I've only got one tier and that tier is $1 a month. Um, I don't want any more from any of you. And what do you get for that $1 a month? absolutely nothing it may not be the most successful patreon <laughs> ever uh i'll explain in recent months i've i've had some approaches from two of the biggest radio stations in the country to go over and work with them on a podcast and stuff like that and i've turned them down because this podcast is the goal this is it this is what it's meant to be you'll hear in this conversation with kate tempest the reason podcasting means so much to me and why it's not a stepping stone to a radio show or whatever else 
but yeah that that kind of happening made me think you know i i do all right off this i've got i have sponsors and that it means it's a fluctuating thing it means that some months it pays well some months it pays very little um but yeah i wanted to, to set this patreon up for you guys to have an option to support support this i wanted to have only one tier so all you can pledge is one dollar a month which is like 80p a month so because it occurred to me that regardless of the size of the guest i've got a core listenership and it's in the thousands it's i don't want to give exact it's in the tens of thousands and you guys are the ones who listen regardless of how big the guest is and that's what's important about this podcast to me and i get a lot of requests of this guest or that guest and at the moment and for the last four years the guests have been been based on who's in town who's near who passes by and my thought was if there was a core of you who thought that one dollar a month was worth you know the at least four episodes you get every week if there was enough of you i could travel to guests more or i could pay for guests to come down i could pay for their travel i could pay for hotels I could do all sorts of things and have that that bit more f- freedom to go. Look, we're going to make this work. Um, it also keeps the pressure off of me to to do the podcasts that are the best podcasts, not the podcasts that are the biggest names. Again, another thing that's happened recently because of the success of the Michael Fassbender episodes, the Simon Pegg episodes, things like that. I'm getting offered some huge names and I'm turning some down because they're people I'm just not into now the temptation is always there to go that person's got like five million followers on Twitter or 10 million followers on Twitter that'd bring a lot of listeners in but if I don't think they're the right guest then they're not the right guest and it also means that even when I've got a big guest like Professor Green for example I don't have to try and chase salacious headline grabbing content i can talk to pro green about mental health and about depression and about the dangerous dogs act and stuff that is genuinely of interest to me Um, and i'm doing all that anyway that's kind of of my point there's no pressure here there's no hard sell but yeah i wanted to give give that option to for you guys if you feel it's worth it supporting creative freedom i guess you know, it will also support the writing I'm doing on scripts, on novels, on whatever else. You know, allowing me to create rather create what I'm inspired to create rather than chase a dollar. And I do that anyway. So again, this is the worst sales pitch ever. But um yeah, I might add some exclusive content on there every now and then, some videos or some chats or do some Q and A type things. Um, or give some kind of first looks at merch and stuff like that over there. But um, that's not what I want to sell it on. I don't want to try and hard hard sell you. I don't want to make promises I can't keep. And I don't want to change anything f- for those who don't want to pledge. So, so yeah, it's there as an option. If you pledge $1 a month, I'm mentioning it on this episode because it's the first episode of the new month. You pledge a, a $1 a month and it will just take it out each month and you won't notice but again, if you think about it, if enough of you chose to do that, that's a substantial amount each month. I can pay Buddy Peacemore, who who produces the podcast week in, week out. I pay him already. And again, it's one of them that he has a set rate. And that's why the idea of Patreon appeals to me, because 
my earnings go up and down off the podcast depending on, as I said, how many sponsors I've got this month and so on and so forth. But the people I work with, I want them to have a, a, a set wage. I think that's the moral way to do things. So, so Buddy has a set wage each month. John, who does the videos online, has a set wage each month. Amy, who looks after the social media for um, for speech development, has a set wage each month, regardless of what I'm earning, what gigs I'm doing, what live stuff, what merch is out, any of that. They've got their set wages. And this will allow me to maintain that and to potentially give them a bit more and that's kind of the idea i don't know if it'll work i don't know you might all hear this and go nah man that sounds shit but as i said if you think about it kind of 80p a month you're not even going to notice and i'm not going to have these tiers of 10 pound a month and you get this or 20 pound a month you get this i don't want that much off you that's crazy netflix is like a fiver a month and you've got every film ever or or or, (laughs) or tons of tv shows i ain't going to try and compete with that but 80p a month that's interesting. Anyway, that's all I need to tell you. Let's get on with the podcast. Episode 227 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Kate Tempest. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. I'm rolling. Cool. I've just gone straight into it. Even if my, if my backup ain't rolling, I want to get the most time available. How are you doing, Kate Tempest? Uh, I'm really good. Very happy to see you. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been ages. And it's lovely. And I was saying to Alice, who I was chatting to beforehand um, at the publishers, that you, me and Polar Bear, or, or you and Polar Bear are my two favourite people to catch up with, to just have a chat with. But we're also all, I've always really busy and be really bad at scheduling stuff and sticking to schedules so as soon as this request came in I was like well yeah I'll just (laughs) it saves us having to organize a drink or anything else we can just have a catch-up so it's lovely but how's it all been are you in the the throes of 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 promo on on your latest collection and we'll we'll get into all of this it's pretty chilled like the I feel like at last uh, the powers that be who organize these kind of things for me have like really heard me when I say I don't want to do like a million things that like just I feel like what we're doing is really exciting like like, talking to you that's something that's just great chilled you're my mate like doing a few really interesting new ways of doing the promo bit rather than just churning out because there's people who want to talk to you because you're Kate Tempest not because of what this specific thing is about and things like that because that is the tough thing aren't I remember on on album tours, I I talk I talk my way out of question time two or three times oh because goodness. I wasn't an expert on what they were talking about. And yeah. It's one of them. Just because I've got an album out, yeah, that seat should be filled by someone who knows about that subject, not someone who's got a loose opinion, yeah, who's then going to speak it loudly and articulately <laughs> or whatever. I see. It's exciting to get that that control. Do you feel that's something you've had to fight to get over the years? Yeah, I mean, like, it's don't get me wrong. Like, I'm over the moon to to be doing this for for, for a career, for a living. Like, and if people yeah. want to talk to me about my work, like, I feel dizzy with gratitude yeah, for that. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But the situation I've been in is that the last kind of four things that came out were all debuts. So yeah. there was a debut album, then there was a, there was a debut play, debut theatre show, debut album, debut novel, yeah. and debut poetry collection. So what happened was 
for all of those different things, you've got to do all the press that you would do if you're a debut artist, which means yeah. you've just got to be everywhere, like talking yeah. to loads of people that are either really sycophantic or really condescending or they don't really care about what you've got to say, they're just doing their job, which Completely. is like the way it works and that's yeah. fine. But because now this is my second collection, yeah. it feels oh, it feels great. It feels really exciting Like, and the kind of knackering treadmill thing of it has been... It isn't really happening. So I don't mean to sit in here and complain about no, no, tough no, life for an artist, you know. <laughs> Do you feel as if you don't have to prove yourself as much on, on, on this time round? Because it is something. It's, I think it's why me, you and Polar Bear always bonded was we were the ones at the spoken word gigs often who hadn't necessarily gone to posh schools or had posh accents or whatever else. <laughs> and it was always dope because we'd all relish in the fact that we were getting, having people turn their nose up, up at us as we arrive <laughs> and pat us on the back as we leave and shake our hands and things like that. And we love that, but that can get, get, yeah. get exhausting as well, if, yeah. particularly in in theatre and in literature and in music, to have to keep doing that, have to keep going, yeah, here's where I'm from, but I know what I'm talking about and <laughs> I, I work hard at this. Yeah, I think that you probably always have to prove yourself to yourself, really. Like, yeah. And I think as you get... As I get further into my writing life, I need a little bit less um, reassurement from other people and I need a, a lot more from my own, like, bar, where, yeah. I, where I set the bar, do you know what I mean? And, and I think that it's easy to say once you've had a bit of recognition that the recognition isn't important to you because before yeah. I had the recognition, it's all I wanted. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep at night because I didn't think I... I didn't know how to get more recognition yeah, yeah, yeah. or bigger crowds or like bigger gigs or like get a record deal, all these things. Now I'm in a situation where I'm terrified about this book coming out because it's very new, but at the same time, I feel much more relaxed about it. So yeah. it's what it is. It's what I made. I feel really lucky that I'm, it's coming yeah. out, you know. It's a great place to be in as well when you can have that kind of, of the success was almost convincing yourself it was it was good. Yeah. You've done that bit. It's now yeah. nice if other people yeah. like it, but you've got to that point where you're like, I'm happy with this. Because yeah. I remember when, I think yeah. it, was, it was last a time we talked on this, it was a fascinating conversation to have because you were saying how interesting it had been putting together your first collection. It might have been on this or it might have just been just casually, but interesting putting together your first collection, realising how different page poetry is yeah. to live poetry and to spoken word. And it's an interesting one because there was a thing a little while ago where there was a backlash to Holly McNeish's book. And yeah. I was nervous about reading the article because I heard this backlash. But I also, I understand the point of view of there's a difference in spoken word to page yeah. poetry. I then read the article and it was written aggressively, horribly, yeah, personally. Yeah. So I was completely on Holly's side. But I was nervous because I was like, I love Holly, but am I going to be like, well, yeah, there is a difference. Yeah. That, that's not a bad thing to point out. But yeah. it, it, it was interesting talking to you and seeing you come to those realisations on your own. The fact that because you're a seasoned performer, there may be certain lines, and I, I will definitely have had it, there may be certain lines in stuff you've written that you're relying on the fact that you can deliver that with a, yeah. a venom. 100%. On the page, if the person reading it isn't yeah. the performer that you are, then that might fall short and it makes you analyse it a bit more. Yeah, definitely. And I think like writing, writing for... Other people yeah. writing for theatre for actors, it really it really shows up a bad line. Something that yeah. you can you'd get away with it because you wrote it and you're excited yeah. about it. Whatever you say it, you hear an actor say it back to you, you're like, wow, I really need to try that one again and work a bit harder. But then with 
poems with like the page poetry i i used to think oh the only difference between like I, the only difference between a poem and a spoken word poem is that somebody is literally speaking it yeah. out loud that's that's what i used to think and i've um, I, i've argued that in the past i'm sure yeah. all of us have in the past because yeah. particularly in those scenes there was a snobbery towards yeah, spoken word yeah. so we would argue vehemently it's just out loud but yeah. but then probably, like, the, you're right and wrong in that there's there's right yeah. and there's wrong in that i feel like these these new poems are poems that don't belong in performance. Like I yeah. don't really think they're. Good. I don't want to. I'm not going to tour them. I do a launch, but I'm not going to go on a big tour with them because I don't think it's going to work in a big room. And I don't. I think the best way for people to read them, if they felt inclined to, is alone with the book. Mm. And that's the first time I feel like I've got my head around the form, the poetry book as a form. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely taken me a while to to realise what the page can do that yeah. the stage can't, rather yeah. than just knowing what the stage can do that the page can't. Yeah, do you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, of course. It's cool. Like, you start thinking about the space around the poem and the brevity of it and all this stuff. And also, also like, pace. Because you're inflicting the pace when you're performing. Yeah, of like, course. Yeah, it's yeah, your yeah, rhythm, yeah, it's your yeah. metre. And actually, people need to go at their own pace, especially with stuff like like this, like uh, which is all about heartbreak, new love. You know, it's like... It feels like the kind of thing that you I need to relinquish control of. Yeah. Because it's intimate. Yeah. So people need but, to have it intimate. Well, that's it. It allows it to... The intimacy that you've allowed yourself to share then allows others to experience, to experience it in themselves, like, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's not being... Because there is an amazing thing of watching a great performer perform this piece at you and you can connect to stuff. But, but there's still you're on one side and the performer's on the other yeah. side. And with... Page poetry, it isn't. You are, it, even though it's not your words, if you relate to it, you you've only go. ever heard it in your voice. Yeah. Because that's how we read. So <laughs> it's a powerful thing. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I want to know. I want to know. So last time, since last I've seen you, <laughs> yes. you've been doing these podcasts. They're yes. going so well. They're going all right. What, if, if I was to ask you uh, for a memorable moment from, from all of them that you've been doing, uh, maybe like... Not necessarily your favourite moment, but just something where you learnt something new or... There's there's a key one where I learnt how important podcasts are. And I did a podcast in conjunction with Red Nose Day. Right. They'd set it up and it was with a Safe Housing for Women, a great charity in yeah. South London, um, just near Brixton Academy. Um, and both of us are fans of South London. Yeah. And South London's <laughs> in our hearts. It, it meant a lot and... I was speaking to a young lady called Mira who had been brought to this country in, in sex trafficking. And um, I said to her, you don't have to go into any detail. You can go into as much or as little as you mm. want. It's not a grief porn kind of thing. You can go there. And she chose to go into a, a, a lot of detail. And, you know, her point was she's only just realised that she didn't do anything wrong here. Oh. It was these horrible people. So it was this intense podcast. She cried, I cried. Everyone who listened to it cried. But when it came to being re released, Red Nose Day didn't do a single post about it or push it. They stepped away from it. And I think it's because of the rawness of wow. the story, the graphicness, the pain there. But And it made me realise the importance of, of, of podcasts because that story couldn't have been told in her words the way she wanted it told on the BBC yeah. or on ITV. It'd have yeah. to be edited or danced around or politely kind of... M moved about but in censoring the victim 
it implies some kind of guilt on the victim. If yeah. you're saying, you should, no, I mean, that's a bit much for, yeah. it's like, she, she, she hasn't happened. done anything wrong. <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah. It's, the, it's the reality. So that was one for me where I was like, oh shit, this is, this wow. is important. And and the other one was, I, I did a birthday special a few years back where I sat down with my mum and dad separately <laughs> and talked about them divorcing and separating. And me and my dad had never sat down and had that conversation. Whoa. I tried to write poems about it loads. Like it's, all love, it was the best choice for them, but I tried to write poems about it for years or raps or whatever else, and I realised that I was working in the wrong medium and us sitting down and talking about it. Again, he was in tears, I was in tears, but it was the medium for for this. It got across the horror at the time, but then also that it was the right choice and it's better to grow up in two happy houses than one unhappy house, you know. The, the, The ridiculous taboos around the traditional or, or, or the thought of the traditional family setup is ignorant. But it's kind of it's amazing. It's great if it can be achieved, but it's not, you shouldn't restrict yeah. yourself or damage yourself because of that. It's, it's amazing that you, to sit down and have a really structured conversation about yeah. something so, or maybe difficult to address, like yeah. for you for you and yeah. your dad to yeah. sit down yeah. and be like, right, we're going to talk about this. That's, that's a, I think that was it. It's amazing. It's because I've done so many of these podcasts where people pour their hearts out yeah. and then I get tons of praise for the openness <laughs> Of these podcasts, and I'm like, I just sat there, and they were amazing. It's it, yeah. it's not me, so it, it was that kind of thing of of turning it around. And, and one of the things that spawned the podcast in the first place was I sat down with again our mutual friend Musa, yeah. and I interviewed him because I was, I was writing a, a film idea, which now might become a, a two person play thing, but a wow. film idea that was going to be about homosexuality and I wanted to talk to, to Musa about him coming out and all mm. of this and I'd had numerous nights out with Musa and chatted to him and I learned stuff in that conversation I would never have learned mm. in my life and it's why I'm always excited to have people who are my close friends on as well because if we were to meet up in a pub we'd catch up on the last a week or so that's yeah. what people do yeah, yeah. we wouldn't get into the tiny intricacies of of everything else that's going on yeah, so it's cool it's fascinating yeah i love it as a as as a as a as a platform and a, a medium but there's a lot i want to talk to you about but i i'd normally kind of work through my plan was to start kind of where we left the last podcast because your novel was about to come out <laughs> yeah in whitstable <laughs> and go to now but i'm kind of excited as we've already started speaking on your new collection i want to kind of jump straight to that and we can go back to it because I've I've read chunks of it. Right. I've not I've, I've not read all of it because you're probably the same. I like a physical thing in front yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been sent a PDF. And it's like this is cool. I'm reading, but right. I need to That's really funny. lose myself in this. So, but what struck me was, as you said, the intimacy, how personal it is, and I think you've always. In fact, I'll I'll turn it back on me. I've always written incredibly personally, but I've written through fictional narratives yeah so i've created a situation to pour my heart out but i've got the safety of a character or a narrative i know isn't true even if people are going to assume it's true because right. I've, I've i've woven it but the, the emotions are in there and your work has always been kind of similar to that it'll always have a lot of um of of, of, of references and history and stories and things like that instantly as soon as i started reading this it came to mind one of the first times I had you play my stage at festival and you started a poem and the opening line is just a, a, 
a let's spend the day in bed with a, a bottle of wine. Oh, I think, yeah. I think that's the opening <laughs> line. And you said after that, you said, if I was a braver poet, I would have ended it there. Because <laughs> it's a beautiful poem. Just that, as a beautiful, heartfelt thing. And for some reason, that came to mind as I was reading these, because yeah. it, it, it was you not... Obviously, it's it's the way you write is always intricate and, and beautiful, but it felt that it was that bit r- r- raw and direct and personal. So how has that been, taking that approach and going? Because, again, it is about heartbreak and the moments after that and the moments further, the positive yeah, yeah, moments yeah. further after that and things like that, which is incredibly personal, right? Yeah. Well, are, are you talking about what you've been through personally or are you kind of, how do you want to... Well, I mean, I don't know yet. It's like the first one, to be honest. Oh. But like the um, what I think I can say to that is that this is the first time I've written in the first person. Yeah. So it is very different and it is a new a new kind of reveal in some ways. Um, all of my fiction and my theatrical work has been extremely revealing in some yeah. ways, but you have this uh, this artifice, they call it, which is the structure and the narrative, and you develop characters so that they, they may begin in a moment of lived truth, but they go on to become yeah. people that you know, experiences you've lived, yeah, something you've observed, suddenly they take shape, and they're not you anymore, so it's yeah. safe to go with them to the darkest parts of them or whatever, you know? Yeah. But with this, you know, I the, the poetry collection is, it begins at the end of a relationship, but rather than being like a breakup album, I thought it was more a more useful thing to offer the world to to stay with the speaker of these poems and to go through heartbreak, go through drunkenness and promiscuity and despair and kind of enter into the redemption of, of new love and yeah. then even stay with it even further. So then you get domesticity and rowing and buying new sheets and like yeah, 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 yeah. the idea being that you don't often get that when you get people writing about love. Yeah, uh, you get this the kind of romantic like despair of the breakup is what you get so yeah. then people stay there they think that's what it is you know yeah. and you become attached to the feeling you feel so much grief that you think that that's better for you than feeling positivity there's all this stuff anyway that comes to mind when I think about how can what I'm making be useful Yeah, because even if you're writing about yourself especially for me making the decision to write about myself, I didn't want it to be indulgent. But then I thought, well, the most truthful way I can tell this story is uh, is by writing the story. And it's yeah. like I, 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 uh, my, my marriage fell apart and it was really grim and now I'm in, a, I'm in love again and it's really beautiful. Yeah. And uh, that, is the, that is a massive thing that's been happening in my life over the last few years. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. So when the deadline approaches for your next poetry book, that's the poems I've been writing. <laughs> That's where That's I've been exactly. at. Like. Do, you, do you feel it's, it's again, it's such an obvious question, but do you feel it's been cathartic and helpful to write about it, to document it? Because it is, I've said this numerous times, but I've genuinely had horrific things go on in life or dramatic things go yeah. on in life. And just as I'm falling asleep, it genuinely has crossed my mind. I'll probably get some good poems out of this. Oh my God. <laughs> Genuinely, it's the life of the artist. Is that any good or bad? Is 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 you're almost experiencing it for others. And again, it takes you a long way to, to get past that. It's why I love that I'm not writing mu- musically at the moment because yeah. I don't have any of that. It's just I can. I'm nice not time. thinking. Is that a good? Should I note that down? 
so, so was it helpful and cathartic to kind of to to to, to turn tough times and turbulent times, or even just more well, to turn your focus onto yourself? What, what really more than that? What it is is that it's it's um, to document the process of healing. Yeah, uh, and and the poems are and are themselves fragments of healing. Like this, yeah. it's little. It's for me, it's that's a, that's it's useful. That's yeah. that's quite a useful thing. To, you say to someone, you know, it's going to get better. Everyone knows how it is to feel broken hearted, but this is something people turn to poetry when feelings are very big. Yeah. So my dream for it is that somebody who is going through a difficult relationship, the end of something, falling in love with somebody when they are already with somebody else, whatever it is, like here is a book of poems where it's I, but that I can become you, hopefully, yeah. because yeah. I mean. I don't think it's gratuitous. It's like, it is intimate, but like, hopefully it's open and it's reaching out. I mean, I don't know as well. It's not out yet. So who knows? I'm Right now I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Because no, no one's read it. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> one's seen it. Month, no. So it might be. The um, other thing is like, I know what's coming after it. You know how it is when you put something out. Like yeah. I know that there's, there's an album that's coming afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel a bit safer about this because I see it as part of a constellation of new work. Like yeah. it's one thing. It's the first step in some new work. Completely. I know what's going to happen after and I know what's going to happen after that. So even if it's not to people's tastes, like I've done my time of it and I'm I'm proud of it and I see where it fits in with the other stuff. Yeah, so it's like, and that's a beautiful know. thing to have that kind of outlook on it because, again, I've had that before with, say, a first single off a new record. Yeah. If it doesn't go down as well as you're expecting, there is that kind of, no, I know what's next. <laughs> Honestly, just just wait, just... It's all right. Honestly, this will make yeah. sense. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's why sometimes it's better for big labels or whoever to have the choice over these, the order of these things, things yeah. like that. Because as artists, we're going, no, here's how it goes. Yeah. Here's, here's the story. Trust this me. is the order. And they're going, but no, people people don't know that that's coming, but yeah. you do. So yeah. it is, it's a mad one. But we'll what see. I like about the kind of, the 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 structure and the, the vastness of the story that you're telling here is that, as you said, generally people will focus on one part of it, either the breakup or if it's a rock and roll band or whatever, the the promiscuous, isn't it fun being single bit in the middle or the I'm madly in love bit. So it's great that you're covering all of them. So anyone in any of those situations can can relate to the other. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you're struggling in any of them, but equally the importance of going past just the madly in love bit, because that's equally as important. I yeah. think people sometimes get tricked by... Of romanticism and things like that, mm. which is great, but the the fact is it doesn't remain that or I mean the honeymoon period type thing it doesn't yeah. remain like that yeah. forever it can remain brilliant forever and it can be the right thing forever, but it might not remain that exact glow and yeah <sighs> exactly take the and away it's from maybe it's our responsibility as writers to to then document react the reality of what what yeah. it means to love when you've been together a few years. And you're finding new ways of feeling like this person is the most amazing person in the world. And it's got nothing to do with all that, like, all the fireworks that happen at the beginning. Yeah. You know, like, maybe that's our responsibility then. I don't yeah, know. To, to continue to tell that. I love it. Well, let's rewind a bit and look at the um, the big, excited moments of debut album. Because it couldn't have gone, gone much better, mate. 
The album was amazing. It went down really well. The response was amazing. The tours were amazing. How was it to get that out there? Because I'd been, obviously, I'd known you for ages, but I'd been a fan of Spoken Word and musically with Sound of Rum, but this was the first time you were Kate Tempest and knowing that you did grow up in love with literature and books, but you also grew up in love with beats and rhymes. So it felt that there was a point that you were climbing and climbing and climbing as in the kind of more literary type world. And it's like, I know there's a bit that just wants to be up there rapping and and not having the pressure of, of, oh, well, the the metaphor here was, (laughs) I just want to be up there. So it was that perfect, it all came together beautifully. So how was that to... It was amazing, like, it was, yeah, I'd been desperately trying to find a way to express myself musically that felt, you know, that felt true and electric and all those things. And then we made this record and it, like, yeah, I mean, I've been working in schools, teaching, I've been working for the Royal Shakespeare Company, as you say, all this very literary stuff, and I was just, like, chomping at the bit to to do some rapping, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... um, the album came out and like suddenly the the dream of like like talk, going on tour like a tour you know like a headline yeah, yeah, tour like yeah, yeah, I, ca- yeah. I came with you guys on a, supporting you guys yeah. and I saw I saw what happens when you when you do a headline tour but suddenly t- to be in a position wow to have a record out and and for people to be liking it and for to be getting gigs and oh it's just amazing it's just amazing I feel tearful it's, even it's, it's, just, it's, it's, like, it's it is amazing because again it's the beauty of Writing a record that's true to yourself, so not just going, oh, how am I going to get commercial success? Writing a record that's true to you, it then means all the more when people do connect to it and it does have that success and there is those crowds building and building because you've not you've not courted that. It feels more personal because yeah, you're like, yeah. it is as stupid as it's like, they like me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, 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 it is that because you've not sat down and gone how do I write how a pop single? Yeah. Like, how do I make a hit? You've got, you've sat down and poured your heart out and written what you love. Yeah. So when other people love it, it's amazing. It's an extended feeling of when you're at a party and you meet that person who's into the same obscure artist that you're into <laughs> and you've never met anyone else who's like that and you have that, yeah. I love that album, I love this, I love that. Yeah. But the, in this instance, in it's all that. of it. It's you, it's your... Yeah. I think like when when you're... When you're touring at that stage, and especially because I've been gigging for years and years and years and years, and like, but to very small crowds, and like, as you start to build them up, and incrementally you're seeing like just, I don't know, 10 more people, yeah. 50 more people, 100 more people, like, you don't take a second of it for granted because you're like, wow, it's, it begins to happen. Like, yeah. And it's been 10 years in the making, and suddenly it's like, wow, this is it. Like, there is actually 100 people in this room rather yeah. than 20, and like, the next time you go back to that place, there's 150 people in that room or whatever it is. And like driving around, we start off in a, on the train and then you maybe in a car and then eventually you get a van. And then like, you know, one day you're in a bus, you're in a tour bus, yeah. like, well, like you've again, dreamed of your whole life. You, you know? Some of the first gigs I saw of you guys were at festivals <laughs> where you weren't invited to play. <laughs> So it's exactly that. First of all, you're at a festival and no one's asked you to be there. And then you're on a small stage and then you're on a bigger stage. Yeah. And it is that mad excitement and journey. Because you know that you would have been, or you were doing it even when you weren't asked to. Do you know what I mean? You were doing it because you needed to. So when people actually want you to and care for it, 
And that means the world. It's incredible. Things like Glastonbury and things like that. Yeah, for that for those reasons. When, well, yeah, at any of the bigger gigs, we we played Brixton Academy at the end of the last album campaign, and that's huge. That's huge for me because so many gigs I've seen. That's like the local big venue in South London. So that's where you go. I've stood outside it trying to get into things like since I was. 14, you know. Like. It's, it's where, honestly, I'd come in from Essex to go yeah, to like, yeah. 14 and 15 and be, like, scared to get out of Brixton because yeah. Brixton is, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough. But, um, yeah, yeah, it must have been amazing, so that, right? It's those kind of moments when you're... Because I'm sure it's the same for everybody in their lives, you know. You're just... You do get into that motion of, like, just getting through, you know. You're just one thing in front of the other and you're doing your best you can and everything. And then you have these taking stock moments. Yeah. Whether that's... um positive or negative things that happen suddenly yeah, you just take course. stock and uh that was really one of them when suddenly I just thought like blimey we've been dreaming of this since we were like children yeah. you know and like and because in my band who I play with it's people that I've known since I was very young and we've been playing together since we we're very young and we've been going to see gigs there together since we're you yeah. know it's all this stuff suddenly yeah my heart's beating fast even thinking about it you just think to yourself like I can't believe I can't I can believe it's happening. It's here. like, And, and it's like, it's this funny thing. It's like complete conviction yeah. and like crippling self-doubt all the time. 100%. And like, yeah. <laughs> when, like, so when it is happening, it's almost a bit dangerous to acknowledge what's happening in case everything goes wrong. Suddenly you're like, oh my God, it's Brixton Academy. What yeah. if I, like, you have to just, I don't know. Sometimes you have to not take stock. Yeah. But you do have these moments. I was going to say, I wonder if that's why it does take a break or whatever else. To look back, or even it can be someone else bringing it up or mm. reminding you, because it is again with someone like yourself who's gone from so many different disciplines and genres. Yeah. Th- there's not these gaps to go. This is wicked, isn't it? That was a good year. This is all right. It's like, yeah. oh, I can't stop. Can't even stop to think that. Like, or or, or that couldn't be more the case because the album came out and was going down a tree, and then you were darting off to mess about with Ruben and with all sorts of people. <laughs> like. There's no, there's no place to take stock there. So how was stuff like that to, again, to, to get to go, wow, here I am. Not only is the Brixton stuff in the works and all this, I'm I'm out here with. Oh, it's amazing. It was like, I can't tell you like how surreal. (laughs) Imagine going to like, okay. In fact, I'll break it down because I think it's safe to do that here. So Rick Ruby, when I, when I was doing Brand New Ancients, which was this long poem that I did um, in 2012 now, it's a long time ago now. And um, we, t- we it managed to tour to New York. A theatre in New York saw it playing in Edinburgh and they took it on for a week. And wow. it, in the crowd one night was a producer from a TV show called Charlie something. He's really famous, like yeah. American talk show. I was knackered. I really didn't want to do this interview, but this producer had got in touch. He'd been in the audience, seen the show, and he'd said to someone from the theatre, we'd love to have Kate on to do this interview with this guy. Yeah. So I go, go into this room. With this really famous American like, talk show host guy, but he's all in black. It's a black room. You're around this big stern wooden table. There's like cameras in the walls. Wow. Right? That's you can intense. hear them in the walls like mice. Yeah. And he, he's like on this little headpiece, like talking quite sternly, like what, trying to get more coffee. But he's not talking. I'm sitting next to him. Yeah. But he's not looking at me. He's talking to the people in the walls. No. I was knackered, jet lagged, freaked out. I just like, I don't want to do this. don't want to do this. Anyway, I do this interview. And I did a little bit of Brand New Ancients and it just so happened that Rick Rubin, of all people, was watching this this Amazing. TV show that I was, you know, very, like, I didn't want to do it. On, yeah. yeah. And then so I get home. And at the time I was living in Camberwell, I think, at the time. 
And I just get a message from my agent being like, okay, so Rick Rubin wants to speak to you on the phone. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and then he called, he, called my, he called me up. I was just on the sofa at home. He's just called him from Malibu, you know, like. Anyway, so we began this <laughs> this communication like into yeah two years ago, five years ago now, and we've wow. been working. It's just mind blowing. Like, um, what happened was he was interested in making something, mm-hmm. but I wanted to continue doing things and setting up what we talked about: reliable groundwork, fans you've earned. You don't want to yeah, go yeah, in yeah. at the top because you're it's, it's over too soon. You know, yeah. like you want to you want people to trust you, right? Yeah. So you want to do the legwork? So I just, we just we kept in touch. He came to a he came to like a gig we did in Elephant and Castle at Corsica Studios, which is like underneath an archway in Elephant and Castle. And he just <laughs> he, he just turned up because he was in London, I think, to go to like Kanye's wedding. <laughs> but he came in and he left because it was like obviously a bit shit. But yeah. I didn't know he was coming. And then anyway. <laughs> But the reason I'm, t- I don't, it's not like, I'm not being like, oh, but the no, reason I'm telling it is because what happened, which is interesting, is that he had this idea, right, for yeah. um, for how he wanted an album to get made. And so we started making these demos. He was like, I don't want any drums. So me and Dan were like, we, I've been waiting all my life to work with a, like a really amazing hip hop producer. The first yeah. thing he says is I don't want any drums. Yeah, that's the opposite so of what you're expecting. From, from then we're like, me and Dan are writing these like folk demos. Like we're in... Yeah. <laughs> we're like, what, is, what, what do we do? Like, And then we went to Shangri-La, which was his studio. Yeah. And um, it's like white. There's not, there's not a speck of... It's so zen, it doesn't even have door handles on the doors. Brilliant. Like, you just have to intuitively know just, yeah. how to move through the you space. come in and out at any point. <laughs> it's just so bonkers. And there's, like, white bean bags and, like, a view of the Pacific. There's, like, grapefruit trees in the... It's like, you know, like, I, yeah. I am yet to ever experience anything like it. Madness. And um, we were in this um, this old tour bus. It had been Bob Dylan's tour bus, like, in the 60s. And it had... Because this Shangri-La studio, it's always been a studio, yeah. but it used to be owned by someone else. Anyway, Rick Rubin's taken it on, and it had this old tour bus that had parked up at the studio and broken down, never to be a tour bus again. Right. So they've turned that into a little studio. So we're in this, like, little studio looking at the Pacific Ocean, like, in Malibu, trying to write folk songs for Rick Rubin. We're like, this is bonkers. So every time we... Are delivering demos, he can't tell us what he wants. He can only tell us that that's not, not it. Feeling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we start writing Let Them Eat Chaos. Yeah. Basically trying to give Rick this album. Right. And he, it wasn't right for him, wasn't what yeah. he wanted. And we were like, well, we want to do this. Yeah. We want to do Let Them Eat Chaos. So we went back to Streatham and like we got in the studio and we and Let Them Eat Chaos started taking shape and we started getting really excited about it and we kind of put the Rick album aside or we get gave that time to percolate. Yeah. Did the whole thing with Let Them Meet Chaos, still trying to make demos for Rick. And basically, <laughs> five years later, we've now made the album. This album that he wanted us to make yeah. is now complete. We've just got to go and record it. This written. Amazing. And that's coming out, hopefully, all being well, in the late spring next year. That's mad, Isn't right? Isn't that mad? Like, so the whole Let Them Meet everything. And what a load of journeys along the way. Again, it's the beauty of... Of writing um, is that you can be doing multiple things. If something's taking longer, then something else can be going on at the same time. It doesn't have to be. It's it's five years in the making, but it's five years. But it's it's like, also included yeah. 
some yeah. collections, some other, you know, yeah, all this kind yeah, of thing. That's... It's, I should just say it's, it's not a folk album. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He very quickly told us we were we were wrong there. But it's cool, like it's it's a cool p- position to be in when you when you say like, well, actually, like you're extremely legendary, but we really want to do this album, so we'll just do that. First. And that's what's dope as well. What I also like is having someone who you would respect enough to push you so far out of your comfort zone. Because that's what's mental. exciting about this is it yeah. sounds like this is an album that that you, that you and Dan wouldn't have made. Definitely this, this wouldn't have existed. So yeah. it's. It's one of the reasons people like Rick Rubin are yeah. so legendary because they're like, right, no, you can't just go off and make this with anyone else. This is something that wouldn't have existed without him going. That's not it. Yeah, that's not it. That's not right. And that he doesn't do. He doesn't do. He doesn't touch the instruments. He doesn't. T- he doesn't touch yeah. the mixing. It doesn't. All he does, he comes in, he sits down, and he listens. Yeah, that's all that for like an hour it's a day. Amazing though. It's that's amazing. all he does. It's, it's mad. It's such an underrated thing because yeah, it is. It's that. Everyone always speaks of Miles Davis, but Miles yeah. Davis had loads of amazing musicians on every record. Yeah, 100%. But yeah. it was Miles that brought the best out of all of them. And yeah. even if it's just from the vibe, from him yeah. being in the room, from his his known kind of attitude and yeah. almost a meanness or a scariness kind of thing, that brought it out of everyone. And that's why it's his name on the records. That's why, you know, it is everyone else has played their part, but that's what's exciting about it. As someone like Rick Rubin, who, yeah, he's not, he's not going. I've got some beats for you. Have a listen. Yeah, no, it's he's going. Like, Send me some stuff. I'll tell you if it's shit. It's, like, <laughs> it's been a mad process. Yeah. But um, another thing that 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 was exciting, and again, as we've said on all of this, that recognition or record sales or whatever else, it's not what you're after. But it's nice when it happens if you've done <laughs> if you've done your own thing. You know, if you've yeah. stuck to your guns. And the Mercury nomination was was a wicked thing oh, it was amazing. To, amazing. to happen. Because, yeah. again, for a, someone who's come from spoken word, and the record was rap and spoken words, yeah. that kind of, that grey line. And I was excited at the time because what instantly came to mind as well was I looked at the lineup and I was excited first for you. And then I saw Young Fathers on there. And both me and you, unknowing that we were there, went to see Run the Jewels at Brixton Electric yeah. and Young Fathers were supporting them. Yeah. And we bumped into each other in the smoking area, just exploding with excitement. And <laughs> yeah. it was just the perfect kind of meeting of like, did you see that shit? And we were both like, that's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Who are those guys? What is this? Yeah. You never get that blown away by a support act. It was really this amazing moment. So knowing or feeling a personal connection there with Young Fathers and you as well, is beautiful that, you were both in there and you were both oh, on cool man. labels and pushed in the right way. Yeah. So how good. was all that to be up there to, to, to be nominated, to go and perform? Like, do you perform at the Mercury's? That's kind of how it works, it's, right? It's weird. Yeah. You like, they've got a revolve, a revolving stage. Right. It's like a proper thing, you know, like, or like, <laughs> or one lifts up and the other lifts down. And it, it was amazing experience. It was all very, um, from, for us, it was exciting. I think for other artists, it's not, it wasn't as yeah. kind of, um, they were a bit more blasé about it, I think, but we yeah. were just over the moon. And yeah, it was like live TV, you know, we mucked it up. It was all that stuff that you, the first time you do it, which is arguably the most important time, is the time when you're least equipped to be able to do that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? When course, you're like, oh, my, you can't control your nerves, you don't. Like, it was really exciting. Young Fathers, yeah, for me, are like probably the greatest kind of band of our time. Yeah. And like, I think, yeah, their new record is fantastic. Like, what they're doing. 
is so kind of punk uh, and at the same time just like it's really straightforward no nonsense and they were so chill like yeah. we were all like you know like just acting like absolute idiots jumping around because we've been waiting all our lives to like be in a room like that whereas yeah. they were a bit more like this isn't it this isn't what we want and this, this is not what we're doing it for so I learned a lot from them actually I, just being them. Like, I remember I had them on my radio show like just before their first album came out so yeah. when they only had their mixtapes out and they were so just because a lot of people have asked for them to come on the podcast and I'd like to have them on but equally I don't know if they're going to be up for talking for more than 10 minutes because <laughs> they are those dudes that are very much yeah really and, and it worked in the end because on my radio show I was allowed to play what I wanted so, yeah. so I was playing my favourite songs off their record rather than here's your new single and I just fluked that the first one that I picked was their favourite song and they wanted it to be the single and it hadn't been made the single. So, do you know what I mean? Instantly yeah, had yeah. that excitement and got that out of them, but it did feel that could have been hard work. Because again, that that's not what they're doing this for. They're not doing this to do interviews, to win awards. They're doing this to make the art that they make and they're bloody good at it. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? It's like... And it's it's surprising how much of a surprise that is yeah. when you're like, wow, okay, that's different. Yeah. They're like, that's brave. And then you're like... Wow, that's how it should be. Like completely, it's really cool. Man. It's, it's, it's interesting you say about the the first time you do it is the most important, but when you you're the least equipped. I always remember from gigging early days with like Adele and all that. Like, I always remember when Adele was doing Jules Holland, and there was all this pressure for her to have an orchestra to play with Jules, all this kind of thing. And I'm sure it was Richard Russell at the time, or someone at XL just turned around and went, "Look, this is just going to g- go wrong." So yeah. they just sat her down with a guitar. And it came after Paul McCartney oh and goodness, all this stuff. So it's all this huge stuff. And then it's just a girl with a guitar and she blew everyone she away because it. that's what she's comfortable with. Yeah. If, they, if they'd tried to go, it's Jules. Oh, we need to add this and this. Then she would have been nervous because she's like, I'm not used to playing with. It's mad that that's how our minds work as well. All oh, right, it's a big deal. So we need to add tons of elements yeah. that you've never worked with before. Yeah. That'll make it more relaxing and comfortable rather than doing what you're really good at doing. Yeah. Let's add all this craziness. Yeah. Um, a question that I was, I, I was coming up with on the way here, um, and it's a genuine one that I'm curious on because I don't know the answer. Is there anything that you're into that people wouldn't expect you to be into? Like a TV show, a film, music, <laughs> anything? Because it made me... I was thinking of it because I was reminiscent of when me, you and Polar Bear did that spoken word tour. Yeah. And we, in that van, we would just get drunk and listen to like 90s R&B or soul and funk and all sorts of stuff. And it was always that thought of every night we're going on stage and we're being poets. And and everyone's (laughs) looking at how intelligent we are and how powerful and deeply we think. And then we're drinking cheap booze in the van. Polar Bear's legs are coming up and he's doing a a little dad dance. And it just always occurred to me, it's like if people had an idea of what was what we would be doing in our off time, it wouldn't have been that. So is there anything like that with you? Is there any TV shows or anything? Yeah, there's loads. Like, obviously, the person that you are on stage is, like, a very specific side of yourself. Like, you know, I've, I, I'm i not at all that intense when I am when I don't have to be. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I love to watch, like, trashy TV. I love, I love like, yeah, I love 90s R&B. <laughs> I love... Um, I love quite cheesy soul music. I can't, you know, if a question like that puts you on the spot, suddenly my mind's just blank. I, I think, it's, like, it's what is TV? What is... But, like, yeah, I mean, the majority of my life off stage is, like, just pretty goofy and... 
and regular. And regular, yeah, like when I'm hanging out with my people, we have fun, you know, like my family and my friends and my partner. Like, I'm not like always kind of reciting poetry and like reading William no. Blake and like yeah. Yeah. intensely listening to Gravediggers, like, although I do do that often. It's a bit heavy, right? It's a bit heavy for like, you know, are, the are, summer. Are you listening to any good uh, new music at the moment? Is there anyone that's that's caught your ear? Yeah. Uh, there's a rapper that I just found out about called Deem, D-E-E-M. And then is it like Marcel, his surname or something? His surname begins with M, but I can't remember. But if you were to search Deem M, yeah, you, you'll yeah, find yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, it'll come up. He, I, I think he's really interesting. He's a New York rapper, but he's... He reminds me a bit of this poet, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Hull from Manchester, who yeah. I've been like, he's come out to support me a few times. There's something kind of similar. It's quite exciting. Kind of laid back and like a little bit sarcastic. I like him. Yeah. And then Confucius MC, who's um, a rapper that I grew up with, but has just been putting out a couple of EPs recently on um, Jest's label, which is the name of the label escapes me now, but it's Jest's label, whatever. Confucius MC. Yeah. He's brilliant and he's putting stuff out at last, which is brilliant. I think he's streets ahead of himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who else am I listening to? I listen to the new Young Fathers, actually. And, yeah. Oh, Terza. Her thing. Terza, I don't know. So that's, um, uh, it's Mika Levy's production. Right. And it's a singer called Terza on the vocals. And it's like, it's like kind of grungy R&B. It's, um. But beautiful love songs. Their album's yeah. called Devotion. It'll be out, be out in August. I think it's going to do really well. Some good shit. So cool. Where are you living <laughs> at the you? moment? And or I've I've I genuinely hardly listened to any a music for some reason these days. But there's been a couple of things yeah. this year. I had everyone for years recommended Ocean Wisdom to me, mm. and I was always like, no, nah, I'll listen to it at some point. And then in, oh, I got his most recent album, and it's blown me away. Right. Dude yeah, yeah. can rap like yeah. a motherfucker. <laughs> and Having people like Method Man on there, but also a Chester P yeah. and Jest and Roots Maneuver and Rodney P and just all these, there's such a variation of set of sounds and styles on there, yet he seems to steal every song. Like yeah. often the risk is if you've got yeah. a lot of guests that they're going to come on and do their, their one verse and steal it. But he seems to every single time just go, and by the way, at the end, <laughs> by the way, I'm just rap like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm loving that. But also this girl... Tierra Wack, I keep going on about. Tierra Wack, all right. Like her. She's from um, from Philly, and she released this fifteen minute music video. Amazing, and it's all in one one minute chunks. It's one of the most beautiful. It's, it's with a, f- a French director. It's one of the most beautiful visual wow. things I've ever seen. And then it wasn't until I downloaded the album that I realised that that was the whole album. It's it's fifteen, 15 one minute songs. Wow. And they're all amazing. They're all beautiful and just... Is there pauses between the songs? It just plays continuously? There is pauses. Or the video, it just pretty much plays continuously. Yeah. There's maybe a few different scenes to blend in. But yeah, it's 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 mind-blowing. It, it blew me away because I then, again, it's the journey you, you went in. In fact, me and Polar were texting. Because as soon as I found it, I sent it yeah, to him yeah. and we were texting each other. But then I looked and at the time, her Instagram page was 15 Instagram is blocks of three so, so five rows each one was a one minute video because you can have, have one minute video so her Instagram page was it's just her album as well wow and it was cool. genuinely it's great and it was cool seeing the restraint 
Because a couple of them, you 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 nod in your head and like this is a just straight up going. banger, and then it's, and it's like we're done now. So, oh shit! At first, you think it'd be amazing to, to write a load of one minute songs because we all know that the first verse comes naturally as you're writing it, and the second and third <laughs> are the ones where you're like, right, I need, to, I'm not at the finishing point yet. So wow. just go, let's just do these one. But yeah, that's bold. I like that. Yeah, it blew me away, and it's it's genuinely the video reeled me in. Yeah. Because it's this amazing thing, but then I've bumped it just on my phone, just constantly since. Just this this fifteen minute album, and it couldn't be more opposite of Ocean Wisdom, whose album's got like four hundred eight songs on or some shit. It's, <laughs> it's a proper <laughs> UK oh, hip hop yeah. tradition of one of them twenty two, yeah. twenty four track yeah. type type albums. But yeah, I'm loving them both. I'll check them out. Um, I'll start to wrap things up as I need. I know you need to to get off. But I want to talk a little bit about how it was, because l- last time we spoke, you yeah. were in Whitstable slaving away on your novel. Yeah. How was it to, to because it's kind of a known thing that starting a novel or having an idea for a novel is one of the easiest things imaginable. <laughs> but completing a novel is one of the hardest things imaginable. Yeah. So how was that to go through that process to get it completed? And again, to f- finish with something that that was good and that, that people liked and you know well it was uh, the hardest undertaking I had attempted at that point and um, it was exhausting and like I felt really again inequipped to be handling it but at the same time driven by this compulsion to get to the end of the story I'd been carrying this story around in my head for Years and years and years, characters had popped up in other things. I wanted, to, I, I, I needed to get it out of me, but I just kept coming up against my own limitations as a writer, my own limitations as a thinker, all the things. Yeah. You know, you've got to create this universe. I think I was telling you that last time yeah, we spoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did finish it, and um, I was I was drafting and editing in the in the back of the tour bus, and like I, I put the work in. You know, I definitely feel like I went as hard as I could at it. And I thought to myself, okay, now I've got to the end of this. Now I know how this goes. The next one's going to be like a bit easier. But I just think it's like... It's just not easy. It, like the, I'm a, I've been working on a novel for a, a few months, like which is the longest I've ever had to work on anything. And as you say, the beginning of it, it's like, oh, this is going to be yeah. amazing. It's all coming out like you get to about a third of the way in and you just you hit the first wall and it's just crippling. Suddenly you've got to like pick up every little shred of your brain from wherever you've left bits of it over the course of your life yeah, and try yeah, and make yeah, it yeah, work yeah. and like develop in all these kind of abstract ways because you're you're thinking for so many people and you're hopefully keeping the thread of narrative, plot, character, time place date yeah. continuity yeah 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 yeah. it's just like i have so much respect for novel i have respect for for everybody and every creative discipline i really do and like and even further you know like anyone in in these kind of performance related yeah, yeah, yeah. sports people whatever it is like facing that like how am I going to make it work today? You know, like how am I going to be able to do this today? Um, anyone? Does you know? it help having people to kind of to back you up to say that you are worthy of this? You are meant to be. You are are good at this. It, it comes to mind because 
because Becky is my literary agent who looks after you as well. Yeah. And and I I had this novel that I honestly I'd had in my head for for fifteen years, and I got a finished draft of it, and I was like, yes. Oh, and then, congratulations! But it was like a year ago, and yeah. then I just lost all my confidence in it. Yeah. Like the feedback from the publisher was like, we like it, but this this this. And at that point, again. As that's it. Similarly, we're going yeah. off doing loads of stuff. Yeah. And I had a meeting with them both last week because that's what email me and go, you know it's good, right? And yeah. I was like, what? In my mind, the feedback had been, nah, it's not, it's not really worth it. But it's yeah. because I'd slaved so hard to get to that point. It just, it, it threw me. And it took an email from Becky this week to go, the publisher's still asking how it's coming along. And I just yeah. kind of just put it aside. But so it's, it's a difficult it is that thing, thing to like... have people give you that confidence of, no, you can write a novel or, or, or a novella or whatever these things turn out to be. Do, I think, like, it's an interesting point because um, the um, editing, like, somebody telling you that's not quite working or that bit or that there's something structural isn't right or that character isn't developed, your initial response, because we're, we're used to, like, going out in front of a crowd and if they like it, it goes really, really well yeah. and then that's it, finished... But then if someone comes back with feedback, it's kind of hard to believe in yourself that that wasn't them saying it's a flop, it's yeah. a failure. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, yeah. to find the energy to go back and be really intrinsic with it and be like, okay, so I've got to just work really like specifically on these things. It's a whole different, it's a whole different it's craft. Bad, you know? it? like, I mean, that's it. I've been, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm rereading what I'd written at the moment. I was yeah. reading it on the way here. And instantly I just had this breakthrough moment of I'm now excited again oh, and I'm now, right. now this can be great and I'm actually it. extending it here and doing this and doing that but that was something I'd kind of put to bed a little bit because I was like oh it didn't work out didn't I'm still proud out. of me for getting to where I got with it yeah D- didn't work out so it's mad how those things can just dig in so you how, but how can in, we evil like... way, in evil way in in someone saying you're good can motivate you to keep going equally someone saying that's not quite right can motivate <laughs> just you to go make you bottom out completely yeah but how can we turn that out so for people listening? I've like I think that there's something that can be said where whatever the idea is, the idea is always perfect. The finished thing is always completely completely flawed. It's never a success. It's 100%. always a failure. But every time you sit down to write, it's a failure. But actually, it's how you process failure, compute failure, deal with failure that is much more important to you in your development as an artist or a yeah. human being than any accolade or success. And not even as simple as overcome failure because it's not even always an overcoming. Yeah, it's it it's a coping with, it's a dealing, dealing with, it. with, it's a moving around and yeah. and knowing what is in front of you. It's like, yeah. right, here's, yeah, here's what it is. Here's what we're dealing with rather than, than every, every time you write, you fail because yeah. it, in itself it's failure. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's never going to be the idea. You're never going to be able to do that. I can't remember. I think it was. It must have been on a podcast I recorded. No, it, it is. It's a line in um, in in Hotel Artemis, and I had the director on on yesterday. Wow! And it's a line. It's a bank robber talking to another bank robber, and he's saying, "We deal with the situation we have, not the situation we wanted." Right. And that's the most important thing. It, and he was saying it's key in all art in everything because when you start a project, here's what I wanted it to be. It's and then you that, might find yeah. it's not that. You might get deeper and deeper in and it's something else. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you deal with what you've got rather than what you wanted. And that's, I think that's huge for creativity. Yeah. you just It's it's failing well, isn't it? It's learning how to fail incrementally more successfully than you failed last the, time. The last time. Well, perfect <laughs> note that. to end on. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, it's and, been a uh, pleasure yeah. for me too. We'll catch up again soon at some point. Yeah.
You've been listening to Scrooge's Pits Discretion Tempest. There we go. That was Kate Tempest, a wonderful guest. If you enjoyed this one, then go back and listen to her previous appearance. It was like two or three years ago. A, a lot has gone on since, so it's fascinating to kind of compare the two, hear more from her early career in the first episode. Yeah, check that out if you if you want more of this. Or check out her appearance on, on James O'Brien's podcast. Yeah, there's loads of Kate Tempest to go about, but most importantly, most importantly of all, check out Running Upon the Wires, available now in all good bookstores, online, all that kind of thing. Get ordering. Um... I'll be back next week. I've rambled on about that enough at the start. I should mention that we're coming up to the s- second from last of my club nights of the year. So the We Are Lizards club night is back on September 29th. And we've got Dan Lassac coming down to, 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 to DJ with us and get Kate, where Kate fly. So it's an amazing one. It's the night before progress at Wembley. So yeah, it's going to be pretty, it's going to be rowdy. You might want to pre-order your tickets online. You can buy t- tickets online uh, on pre-order at the book club's a website, or you can put your name on the on the guest list to guarantee entry. Um, and that is by sending names to info at thetrashsociety.com. Uh, that email address is manned by Stu Whiffin of the Hardcore Listen podcast. So feel free to sling some insults about his potato head. And yeah, also again to mention. I've set up a Patreon. As you will have heard in this episode, when Kate asked me about the podcast, I told two stories of why podcasts mean the world to me and why I want to be able to keep doing this. And talking to Kate really kind of slapped me around the the face because I get excited about big name guests when they come my way. I almost had had a Batista recently. Again, if the right big name guests come along, I'm still going to have them. That's all I've ever done. I was excited to speak to Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy um, and, and Lena Headey and Simon Pegg and all these people. Uh, but equally, the ones that, when Kate asked me that and I look back, the ones that mean the world to me are the ones that aren't big name guests. And that's what I like to do, I continue to do. As I've mentioned, I've got a guest coming up who's an amazing a young lady with a robotic arm. And that excites me. And yeah, it's cool. Anyway... No, I told you there's no hard sell. You, the only option is to pledge $1 a month. It's 80p a month, essentially. If that, it might come up as 70p. I don't know. I can't remember the exchange rates. Um, so, yeah, patreon.com slash pip, I guess. Or just go to Patreon and search pip. You'll see there's a picture of me. There's a background picture of me as well, which is a picture I've never posted anywhere, I don't think. So that's exciting. Um, and yeah, it explains it all there. It gives you the option to give me a dollar. And that's that. Okay, I will see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in. Ta-ta.